Welcome back to the MLB.com Ballpark Dimensions podcast. I'm your host, Mike Petriello, a writer and researcher at MLB.com, joined by Matt Myers, MLB.com National Content Editor. Today is Thursday, November 17th. There's a lot of stuff to get to. Matt and I are going to talk about who won the Cy Young yesterday. We're going to talk about the news Shohei Otani has made. The Jays and the Mariners made a trade. The Angels signed a starter. Bryce Harper is getting surgery. And then we're going to do something fun. 50 of our MLB.com colleagues, I guess 49 because I was one of them, made predictions on 11 free agents and where they're going to end up. And we're going to tear through those. And some of them, I got to say, are extremely interesting. First, Matt, for the second time in the history of baseball last night, there were two unanimous Cy Young winners, Sandy Alcantara in the National League, Justin Verlander in the American League. I don't think either of those guys winning was terribly much of a surprise, but I really did like this note from our colleague, uh, Mike Tevan, who said, the only pitcher in MLB history with at least three Cy Youngs, at least two World Series rings, an MVP, and a Rookie of the Year in his career is Justin Verlander. And I don't want to go out on like a huge limb here. I'm starting to think he might end up in the Hall of Fame someday. He's pretty good. We might actually get to vote for him in the Hall of Fame. Although he might get he might get there before we get a chance to even vote. So uh, no, um, that's 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 how good he is. No, but I guess he's going to keep playing for a few more years. So it doesn't matter. I, I'm up in four years, I think. There you go. So even if you're, he's got to wait five years. So and you're right. He says he wants to pitch till he's like 45. So his last five full seasons, right? So obviously he got hurt. He didn't really pitch much in 20 or 21. His last five full seasons, he has finished in the top five in Cy Young voting every single year. His last two full seasons, he has won the Cy Young Award. <laughs> and I can't think of any good reason to bet against him next year, even though um, I don't know where he's going to be. I guess we'll get to that later on when we get through everything else. Um, a couple other things that uh, kind of newsy this week. There were two players who accepted qualifying offers. So that's one year and $19.65 million for next year. Teams could extend the offer. Uh, 12 guys declined. Obviously, guys like Judge and Trey Turner, and they're not going to accept any of that. The two ones who accepted, I thought were pretty interesting. Uh, Jock Peterson accepted, which I think a lot of Giants fans got a little angsty about. Like, how are you paying Jock Peterson almost $20 million? And it's like, well, he's from there. He seemed happy there. Like, they seemed to enjoy him. But also... He had a 144 OPS plus last year. Like, I think people didn't realize how good Jock Peterson was. He basically hit like Bryce Harper or Shohei Otani did. And the Giants offense was bad last year, and it currently looks worse for next year. After Jock Peterson, their best projected hitters are, wait for it, drum roll, David VR or J.D. Davis. This should not prevent them from going after Aaron Judge or like six other hitters. But as long as he's not like the guy they get this winter, I think it makes a ton of sense. I don't really want Jock Peterson for four years, but for one more year, great, wonderful. Yeah, generally speaking, I think that like one-year deals for good players, it's hard. It's like hard to, it's hard. It's, that's not going to be like a disaster for them. Like the worst case scenario is like, oh, that didn't really work out, but it's a one-year deal. He's almost certainly going to be at least like pretty good, not holding them back. And he is a little bit interesting because he is exactly the kind of player who could also see a little bit of benefit from the shift restrictions just because he, when he hits ground balls, they are dead pull ground balls. Um, last year, he had a 162 batting average on ground balls to the pull side, but a 263 expecting batting average on those same balls. So he's the kind of guy that, like, I'm curious to see how the new rules affect him. It's not going to turn him into Jordan Alvarez, to be clear, but if he continues with the same type of quality of contact, he could see a nice little benefit. Yeah, I'm, I'm generally taking the under on most of those changes, but... 
I think I look at that in the aggregate. I do think for some individually extreme guys like, you know, Anthony Rizzo or Joey Gallo or Jack Peterson, you might see some changes. The other one who accepted, and this one's really interesting to me, Martin Perez accepted. So he had a really good year last year, right? 289 ERA. He went back to Texas where he'd started his career. They got him for one year and $4 million. And now he has basically multiplied his salary by five times. Really good deal for him. And it's like the Rangers have no pitching and he was a good pitcher and he's happy there. And it's it's not a problem that they you know extended the offer. But man, going back to 2014, he had a 482 ERA. He had never in that time had an ERA below 430. He'd floated around from Texas, Minnesota, and Boston was never very good. And I have not been able to come up with a great explanation for why he was good this year, right? Like mostly he avoided home runs and that helps, you know, slight changes with his fastball and his cutter. I just, I can't look at anything that he did and go, oh yeah, that's the thing. That's, that's what made him different. And I still feel like this turns into a multi-year deal at some point. And like I said, he's happy to be there. So fine. Uh, but this one, I, Wow, an increase of five times the salary off of that year. You mentioned the extension. I actually kind of thought where that was where this was going to head with him. I kind of I kind of assumed the day before the qualifying offer decisions were due, they were going to announce you know a deal kind of similar to what Tyler Anderson just signed with the Angels, like three years for thirty nine million of just like okay, like we're going to hedge a little bit against you know we're not going to necessarily buy into this as your new normal but you had a breakout here we like you you like it here like let's let's make this work and kind of find something that gives you a little bit of long longer term security and gets us locks us in a quality starting pitcher i spent a lot of time this season staring at his baseball savant page trying to figure out um what was going on with him i think with him it's really it was really a matter of just like better location. I don't know how he got to that, whether, you know, whether it was slight mechanical changes, but like, if you look at like his heat maps on his sinker and his changeup, they are like very tight and very similar. So you could see how he was able to kind of use the sinker and the changeup on his, there was like the, the, uh, the lower on his arm side, uh, low and inside to lefties, um, low and outside to right. He's basically like pinpoint those two pitches there over and over and over again and have some success that way and keep the ball in the park. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be able to, he's going to be able to replicate that. But, um, you know, I, I, I could see why he accepted the qualifying offer. And like you, I would not be entirely surprised if he ended up with some sort of Tyler Anderson-esque deal. Since we are talking about the Rangers, it was just announced that the uh, Rangers will host the 2024 All-Star Game, which is kind of fun. They got the new ballpark there. The other thing uh, that was sort of newsy before we get into some of the trades, Shohei Otani has said he wants to play in the World Baseball Classic. This is what he wrote on his Instagram. I've officially informed Team Japan Master Mr. Kiriyama that I would like to participate in next year's WBC. I'm looking forward for the opportunity to face the best players around the world and to be able to play in front of the Japanese fans for the first time in over five years. And he will. They are in Pool B which is going to be hosted in Tokyo. The other teams uh, in that pool, Australia, China, Korea, and the Czech Republic. Uh, he was supposed to play for Japan in 2017, but he injured his ankle and obviously has not had the opportunity to since. And it's going to be kind of fun. I think, you know, the World Baseball Classic has been kind of a hit every time that they've done it to have literally Shohei Otani, maybe the most marketable player on the face of the entire planet playing and, you know, I shouldn't really say, oh, I'm rooting for this team or I'm rooting for that team, but I'm rooting for Japan. <laughs> like, I, wa I want them to get out of this pool and to come to like to the semifinals and the finals, because like that's the entire point here. I am very, very excited for 
the WBC. Um, you mentioned the Czech Republic. Czech Republic is like one of the best stories maybe ever in the WBC. No one expected them. They were not supposed to qualify. They did. Their team is all like amateurs. Their their best player is a firefighter by trade. Their manager is a neurologist. Like this is an awesome story. Like it's going to be cool when I mean my guess is I have a hunch Otani's probably just going to end up hitting in the WBC. Although I guess if he's going to be there, the Angels will probably want him to pitch to build up his. Yeah, inning. So he'll probably have. To- he, he's talked. He's talked about he might be a closer, right? Uh, Perry Manazzi and the Angels GM said if he wants to play shortstop, that's fine. Like go have fun. Uh, it's not actually going to do that, but you know, he might start. He might close. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's going to be interesting to see how they deploy him there. But anyway, I was saying it's going to be so awesome too when like some like Czech firefighter dude gets to face Otani and like who knows maybe he'll get a base hit. Like that would be so awesome. Um, I do expect. Japan to advance uh, there. That, that pool is set up well for Japan and Korea to advance. But uh, I'm, I am really. I think the WBC, the players have clearly bought in. The 2017 was, I think, a breakthrough. Now we're seeing all the superstars who want to play. You know, now we've got Harper, we've got Trout. The the teams, the Puerto Rico, Dominican, the players from those countries already were always all, all in to play anyway. So it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a great tournament. There are four pools uh, in these these. Pools will all happen the second week of, of March. Uh, one in Taiwan, one in Tokyo, one in Phoenix, and one in Miami. And it's kind of funny. Each pool seems to have like four teams that make sense and one kind of outlier. Like Pool D has the Dominican, Puerto Rico, Venezuela, Nicaragua, and Israel. <laughs> Which is like, I guess there was no other obvious place to put them. I do like that Yeah, the United States, Mexico, and Canada are all in the same pool. Like That's going to make for some really fun ones. I think maybe I'm just thinking about this in the sense that the Soccer World Cup starts next week. And like most Americans, I don't really pay much attention to soccer until the World Cup happens. Now I'm all interested in like country versus country warfare. So it's going to be fun. We'll get through the World Cup, which is at a weird time this time around. And then we'll be like, okay, the World Baseball Classic, a couple weeks away. Like, fantastic. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back on the Ballpark Dimensions podcast and get into some of the trades and signings that happened this week. We are back on the Ballpark Dimensions podcast, Mike Petriello and Matt Myers. The hot stove has gotten off to kind of a nice start. There have been a couple of interesting signings and a couple of interesting trades. And so we will go into our three batter minimum topic where we'll get into three of the interesting things. The most interesting one to me by far is the trade that happened yesterday. The Blue Jays and the Mariners made a trade. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez went north from Toronto to Seattle. Yes, I'm going to be pedantic about that. He went northwest from Toronto to Seattle. It's true. And uh, the Blue Jays received Eric Swanson and a minor league pitcher. And on the surface, Blue Jays fans seem pretty unhappy about this because Teoscar Hernandez is a really good hitter. He is, over the last three seasons, a top 30 hitter in baseball. He's not much of a defender, but he crushes the ball. And Eric Swanson is a good-ish reliever who nonetheless like barely pitched in the postseason. So Teoscar Hernandez uh, has just one more season of control left. And then he's a free agent. And there was a really great quote from Mariners general manager, Justin Hollander, who was on a radio show in Seattle. And he said, why? Like, why did you want Teoscar Hernandez? And his quote was, because he hits the ball very, very, very hard. That's three varies. And he is 98th percentile in hard hit rate. I think we all knew that the Mariners needed at least three bats. I think three, right? The outfielder, uh, maybe a DH type and definitely a middle infielder if they're going to challenge Houston. And now... You've got a really good one, and they are so deep in the bullpen 
that you can get rid of Swanson, who we'll talk about when we get to the Jays in a second. It doesn't, I don't want to say it doesn't hurt them because he was good, but it's like, what was he, their fourth or fifth best reliever? And now they've added their third best hitter. Like, that's a pretty good deal. The Mariners' perspective is probably more just kind of disappointing that they had to trade for an outfielder. Um, you know, they, they've had all these, I mean, obviously Julio Rodriguez is great, just one rookie of the year, but they also were like, oh, we got Kyle Lewis, we got Jared Kelnick, like we're sitting in the outfield for years. So the fact that they had to go out and trade for an outfielder is uh, probably a little bit, uh, I, don't, I don't know if disappointing is the right word, but like they probably wasn't what they were planning on a couple of years ago. That's it, it's only only for one year. So they have some, some options after this year if they decide that they want to move on from Hernandez. But Hernandez, like if you look, very specifically, you mentioned the hit ball hard, hitting the ball hard. Um, on baseball, Savant X Bacon. Um, oh, we're oh, oh. getting deep into it now. Okay. He is like, wait, you're like, going to have to explain what that is. Exactly. <laughs> Expected weight on base on contact. So basically, like, like, once he hits the ball, how does he compare to everyone else? In, in terms of expected weight on base, and he's basically been year in and year out for the last four years, like 95th percentile. So, like, yes, he does strike out, although he has cut his, his whiff rate a little bit in the last couple of years, and I think that sort of allowed him to, to, to take the next step. And even going back beyond that, when he put the bat on the ball, he has been elite for a very long time and definitely helps the Mariners who needed – Needed a bat, you know, a couple of guys last year that, like, I don't know if you're going to get the same kind of performance from them. So it's it, it, may, it makes sense for them. And they're dealing from a position of strength. They need another outfielder How about this. Right. I don't trust Taylor Trammell to be a starting player. I don't trust Jared Kelenic. At least you don't start the season with him as a starter. I don't trust Sam Haggerty to be more than a fourth outfielder. Kyle Lewis is going to be like the most anonymous rookie of the year winner ever. I just. These are guys who might still pan out. Mitch Hanniger is a free agent. You could bring him back, I guess. But they need another outfielder. And I don't quite understand the fascination with insisting that J.P. Crawford stay at shortstop, as they seem to want to do. You know, like there was a report today that said they're interested in Colton Wong, which like fine. Colton Wong had a pretty good season and a weirdly terrible defensive season that I'm assuming is just a fluke. But there are so many good shortstops. You you could get one of them. Um, and they seem not to. For the Blue Jays point of view, it's interesting because they needed a good swing and miss pitcher in the bullpen. Um, and that, that they probably still need more. They have three more seasons of Eric Swanson under control. And I, I'd forgotten about this until I looked it up this morning. He's actually been in three different interesting trades. He was a eighth round pick of the Rangers in 2014. And two years later, he was traded to the Yankees with Dylan Tate and Nick Green for Carlos Beltran, which seems like a trade from a million years ago. And then two years later, he was flipped to Seattle in the James Paxton deal. And he spent three years with Seattle, 1920 and 21, mostly not being very good. A 544 ERA in 69 games. And then this last year, a 168 ERA in 57 games, a 96th percentile in strikeout rate and the 89th percentile in walk rate. That all means strikes out a lot of guys and doesn't walk anybody, which is really nice. And yet they trusted him to pitch just one postseason inning, the 13th inning of that 18 inning game where he did get Jordan Alvarez to strike out, which is absolutely not nothing. But still, you're trading a good bat for like a setup man. And I think that's what makes everybody in Toronto uncomfortable, right? Like it feels like there has to be something else coming. And to me, the something else is you're getting a center fielder because George Springer is playing right field. But that's a little speculation right now. My take on this is an absurd take, which is that Eric Swanson confused me a lot on the Mariners. Whenever I saw him pitch, I always thought of Eric Hansen, the... <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's, the that's, Mariners a, lefty. that's a good take from 29 years ago. <laughs> the Mariners lefty from the night. It always confused me. I was like, wait, Eric Hansen? 
he can't still be pitching. So he ma- he makes more sense to me in my mind, not on the Mariners, because now I won't be constantly thinking of Eric Hansen every time he comes into the game. That is a uh, deep, insightful piece of uh, analysis here, Matt. So thank you for that. The, the Jays right now, they have Springer, uh, Lourdes Gurriel, and Whit Merrifield, who's probably better as like a you know second base outfield bench type. Kevin Biggio can play a little bit. Nathan Lukes is an interesting prospect, but they need a center fielder. Everybody's all up on the Brandon Nimmo train, which I could see it. But they also seem to want to trade from their catching depth. So it's like, do you trade with Arizona for one of their 8 million outfielders? Like, I don't know, Alec Thomas. Do you trade with Seattle and try to get like a Lars Newbar or a Dylan Carlson? Not Seattle, St. Louis. And try to get like a Lars Newbar or Dylan Carlson? It just seems clear to me that this is the first step of several steps. And yet I'm still kind of surprised that if they were going to trade Teoscar Hernandez, that this was the best offer they could find. I think that's what surprises me. Like, I like Swanson. I guess I kind of thought you could do a little bit better than than this deal. They did also get Adam Mako, who's now their number eight prospect, according to MLB Pipeline. He's got a background story. Do you know his story? He was he was he was from Ireland. I uh, know he's from like Slovakia, and I think then moved to Ireland and then moved to Canada. <laughs> Canada, see, so they like their Canadians. So it all, it, this, this, you know, there's some good there's some good vibes at least to this trade from from the Blue Jays' perspective. But he's at least interesting. It's not. Ju- I guess my point is it's not just Swanson. It does feel weird. But again, one year of Hernandez, not a great defender, great on contact. It doesn't seem crazy, crazy to me, especially with the, the the bullpen we saw the Blue Jays run out there in the postseason that I never really trusted to begin with. And Swanson will really help them there. No, it worked out fine. I, I don't remember any problems with that bullpen, especially not in any games against the Seattle Mariners or anything. No recollections of that. All right. Our second topic, uh, the Angels signed Tyler Anderson three years and thirty nine million dollars. And my first inclination is that this is kind of a steal. Like, I sort of like this. Remember, the Astros gave Rafael Montero three years and thirty four and a half million dollars to pitch like a third of the innings that Anderson is going to. I guess you could say, did they overpay or is this a steal? And the answer is yes. Um, Anderson, interesting story. He had a good rookie season for Colorado back in 2016 and then an ERA of nearly five over the next five years uh, as he kind of bounced around and he had knee troubles in this past year. 257 ERA made the all-star game for the Dodgers. Now, part of this, I think, is Dodger magic, and part of it's not, because the year before he got there, so he made two big changes, right? The year before he got there, he started throwing sidearm a lot more, but just against lefties, which is kind of an interesting way to neutralize lefties and still, you know, throw over the top to righties. And then when he got to the Dodgers in 2022, he went back to an old grip on his changeup and all of a sudden got a lot more movement on it, and he was really good. And so the question to me is, you know, do when you get to a team like L.A. and they get you in the lab and they make changes, does that travel with you? You know, and I don't know that that's always the case, but this kind of feels like it, it will. And from the Dodgers point of view, you know, an eight million dollar one year contract that turned into this. And a year from now, we'll be talking about Matthew Boyd or Chad Cool having thrown like 170 good innings for the Dodgers. Like that just seems inevitable that it's one of those guys. But anyway, if he can keep this up, uh, $13 million a year for three years is an absolute steal. He, he should be worth twice that if he's his pitcher going forward. Totally. And I, I will say I, I have a soft spot for Tyler Anderson because I think that this this class of pitcher the uh, the soft tossing left lefty, the thumbing lefty, if you will, has basically disappeared from the landscape. Like there used to, you know, there was always this was always like, you know, obviously like the the high end was Tom Glavin and Jamie Moyer, but there was always like guys like this floating around, and they basically become non-existent because of just the way velocity has taken over the game. So to see left-handed pitchers succeed and not just succeed, like be really good, throwing like eighty-nine miles an hour, to me is awesome. 
Well, the Angels rotation now is kind of interesting, right? You've got Shohei Otani, assuming he's still there, dot, 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 as your starter and pitcher ace. Uh, Anderson, number two. And then Patrick Sandoval, who I like. Reed Detmers has had his moments. And then, you know, fifth starter, Griffin Canning, Jose Suarez, we'll see. But I think there's... you do need the sixth starter, though. That's the thing, because of Otani. You do. I, I, I think there's a narrative that the failures of the Angels over the last couple of years has been entirely about pitching. And that wasn't actually true last year. Like the rotation was actually pretty good. You know, they were sixth best in ERA and sixth best in Fangraphs war. And the bullpen wasn't very good, but mostly the offense was a huge problem. So you have Otani, you have Trout, and they still had the sixth fewest runs scored. And they had the eighth worst OPS. And don't get me wrong, like you sign this deal to add a good starting pitcher every single day of the week. But what are they going to do about their offense? You need to pray that Anthony Rendon comes back and gives you anything. You got a lot of questions about like Jared Walsh and Taylor Ward, if they're for real. Are you really buying Joe Adele and Mickey Moniak in left field? Are you really going to go with the middle infield of Luis Rangifo and David Fletcher? Are you going to trust the rookie Logan Ohapi as your catcher? I've got a lot of questions about literally every one of those positions. Like You have to just play Rendon because of the contract and see what happens. But they need a couple of bats. And it's such an uncertain winter there based on the likely ownership change. And I don't know what kind of path forward they're going to take. And also the fact that their sort of inability to develop talent means they don't really have a lot to trade. So if they're going to upgrade, it's going to have to be in free agency. And they've already kind of tried to do that with various players over the years. And obviously they're carrying Rendon, who hasn't really worked out. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he had a good, I think, I wouldn't be shocked if he produces. I'd be more shocked if he played more more than 120 games. Probably the bigger the bigger concern from 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 my perspective. And I mean, the same kind of goes for Trout. Unfortunately, is that he's basically been amazing when he's been on the field the last few years. He somehow still ma- managed to hit 40 40 home runs last year despite missing like a month. But um, you kind of have to bake in missed time at this point because he's missing you know 20 games every year. And so I think that's that's a big part of the problem as well. Not just not having great players, but even the good players they have aren't on the field enough. Trout was so good last year. And I feel like we didn't even notice just because he was hurt and you're just like used to it. But it's like he was unbelievably good. All right, third topic. And I don't think this is a huge surprise, but at least now we know it for sure. Bryce Harper is going to undergo elbow surgery on Wednesday, November 23rd. Happy Thanksgiving. We don't know yet if it's Tommy John surgery or a lesser procedure. I don't think they'll know until they actually get in there. We've known this for a while. And, you know, you'll you'll take... Uh, the playoff run, the World Series run, as a reason this hasn't happened till now. Obviously, that's like a good thing. Um, but this is going to push back the recovery. And it sounds like he's going to miss April at the very least. And if it's a full Tommy John, it might push it back to like May or June. Now, he's not a pitcher. Obviously, there are some recent examples of position players getting Tommy John and usually missing, you know, about seven months like Otani did this. Uh, got Tommy John in October of 2018 and he came back and he was DHing in May. You know, Aaron Hicks did it at the end of 2019, and he was the opening day center fielder in 2020, but that was July. And uh, Didi Gregorius kind of did the same thing, October 2018, and he came back in June of 2019. But, you know, he's a shortstop, not an outfielder, not a DH, so he had to throw a little more. And if it's not the full Tommy John, um, an example of this is Philly's teammate Reese Hoskins, who had it in October 20, the uh, internal brace procedure, and was ready for spring training in 2021. So it does sound to me like what kind of procedure this is is going to be a big deal, but they need to prepare for probably at least a month without Harper next year, which is, I think, really going to impact, you know, their hopes of repeating as they come off the pennant race here. Yeah, I mean, as we sit here now, it's like, oh, a month, that doesn't seem like a big deal, but it's kind of a big deal because it also, you got to factor in, like, 
it may take him a little while to get his timing back. He's not going to be playing in spring training games. Like, you know, is he going to do an extended rehab stint in the minors? I guess that might be sort of the equivalent, but it's, he's obviously one of the best hitters in baseball. So I wouldn't just expect him to come out and look lost, but you don't really know what I mean. He's a guy that in general, historically has been like a very good hitter in April coming out of spring training. And that's actually been one of his kind of calling cards of consistency. And he's not even going to have that sort of ramp up this year. So and he was, he went, now, now that I remembered, he was supposed to play in the WBC. So I'm guessing that's probably going to be off the table now. So. Probably going to be off the table. And I know they made it work. I know they got to the World Series. I'm not trying to underrate them here. But if he, you know, has to play DH, then that hurts the defense again. You don't, I, you don't really want Nick Castellanos in the field as much as you, know, you can avoid. I know he had some great catches and that's fine. But, you know, the, the more that Harper can play right field, like the better off that that funnel effect is for the entire rest of the lineup there. It is funny. It is funny to think back to a few years ago when Kyle Schwarber was coming up and people wondered about where he was going to play. And he ended up on a team where there's two corner outfielders and it's like, oh, we have to bench one of them. And it's obviously not Kyle Schwarber. Like we want Schwarber in the field. (laughs) Maybe not how you draw it up. We're going to take a break and we're going to come back. And Matt and I are going to go through the uh, 11 different free agent predictions that our MLB.com team of writers made. We are back on the Ballpark Dimensions podcast, Mike Petriello and Matt Myers. Earlier this week, 50 different MLB.com writers looked at 11 of the top free agents and made predictions about where they will sign. I was one of them, and I have to admit, I don't remember pretty much anywhere I picked for anybody except for the very last one. I was looking at the list. I do remember what I said about the last one, which is Jose Abreu. So we'll get there. So we're going to walk through some of these um, because I'm really interested about some of like the potential possibilities that are unlikely. And I should say, I don't have a list of names. I don't know which person voted for which. Like I said, I barely remember what I did here. So I think some of these are uh, kind of ob- obvious and some of them are going to be interesting. Matt, the first one, Aaron Judge, everybody thinks he's going to go back to the Yankees. The only other teams that received votes were the Giants and the Dodgers. And I guess my surprise is not the Yankees because I probably said the Yankees too. My surprise is that no other teams even came up in the conversation, just the Giants and the Dodgers. And that's it. Was that surprising to you? Yeah, I, th- I mean, just because the conversation is, it didn't surprise me, I got to say, because the conversation is really focused on those three teams. Now, of course, all it takes is one mystery team to uh, to, to change this around. But I, j- I really can't see him leaving the Yankees. I think just like the, the it, when it all comes down to it, the amount of just like, and it's, it, they're in an awkward spot. I mean, let me ask you a question, Mike. Do you even like think Judge is the best free agent? Oh, no. I don't. I think he's great. I think he's older than the other guys, and I think he's not a shortstop. So I think Correa or Trey Turner are my top two. So I think that that's, and I think this is where the Yankees have left themselves, where it's like, shoot, we want to keep him. We kind of know that, like, this is going to be painful. Not because he stinks, because I think he'll actually be very good for the next few years, but, like, he is a player just for because of his size and the unknowns, just like the back half of the deal could be, Kind of, I don't want to say some cost, but like there's some real risk there. So, but I think they're gonna have to do it just because like the 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 PR hit and the alternatives just aren't great. Especially since like at this point, they could you know some teams might say like okay, well fine, maybe Judge walks, but we'll sign Correa. But they've spent like two years being like Anthony Volpe next Jeter. So then go now after all this to go and sign a shortstop, 
and kind of like knock Volpe out of the picture, not Vol- move Volpe to another position, just feels yeah. really odd. No, they're not going to sign a shortstop. They should, but they won't. Uh, I think that they will retain Judge because they really have no choice but to. Uh, although I, I think the Giants are going to make it tough on them because the Giants have a lot of money and they have no star power right now. All right, this one is interesting. Jacob deGrom, the consensus here is the Texas Rangers. Other teams receiving votes, Mets, Braves, Dodgers, Giants, Astros, Guardians? Someone picked the Guardians? No? Okay. And Padres. Um, I I get the uh, Texas idea because there's already been some linkage there. They spent a lot of money last winter. They want to improve and they desperately need starting pitching. So like that makes sense. The uh, the Rangers are not one Jacob deGrom away from contention for me. I think that's the thing, right? Like because of his specific scenario where he's 35 and he's got a ton of injury questions, he feels to me like the kind of pitcher you need to have a a plug and play. We're going to the postseason. So that's the Dodgers make sense. I I think the Braves are sneaky good, but ultimately, I don't think the Mets will let him get away. I I mean, this one, to be clear, for those who haven't read the article, this was basically like a draw. I think it was like I think there was one more vote for Texas that over the Mets. So it was like this was not there was a very rich disagreement on this one. This has just never been the Braves' M.O. to make these kinds of free agent signings. That's why I'm skeptical of that one. And um, the whole, like, it's close to where he's from in Florida just does oh, not. I don't care about that. <laughs> that holds no. <laughs> that seems like the, that's one of the, uh, as far as these, like, lame, as far as these, like, nebulous connections that people make, this is, like, weak even by those standards in my book. <laughs> So you don't, you like don't think so the Guardians like, then, though, do you? <laughs> no, I don't think the Guardians. <laughs> okay. So I'm kind of... I'm torn on this one, though, because I, th- I think you're right about what you say is like they're not one Jacob DeGrom away. But we talked about this last week as it applies to the Phillies. Like, I do like seeing more teams try and be like, you know what, like a couple more players, we can win 85 to 90 games, make the playoffs. And who knows, especially if you've got Jacob DeGrom in our rotation. So I think there are some teams that feel that way. And I think the Rangers, obviously, last year, after some rough starts, Seager and Simeon ended up playing pretty well for them. So they still probably have to go add at least other pieces. That's the thing. So I kind of think he's going to end up on the Rangers. I do. Okay. Uh, Number three, Trey Turner to the Phillies. I I think that makes a ton of sense. I think that's what I said. Other teams receiving votes for Trey Turner, the Dodgers, the Cubs, the Mets, the Cardinals, the Giants, the Red Sox, the Mariners, the Marlins, and the Yankees. Uh, I think think that goes to show how many teams could use a shortstop and how uh, heavily valued Trey Turner is. Man, do the Phillies just make a great deal of sense for him. But like more so, I guess what I question is, is it more than any of the other shortstops? I mean, Bogart also makes sense there. I mean... No, they need. I don't think Bogart's is a great Dombrowski connection. If we're going with like uh, you know these uh, nebulous connections, maybe. I, I mean, you're right to a certain extent. If you need a shortstop, there's four good ones, and it's almost hard to pick between them. Um, but I, I do like the idea that the Phillies will get one of the shortstops. Although, as I look at the list here, uh, you know, no other shortstop was uh, projected to go to the Phillies. It was just Trey Turner. So people seem to think that this is the fit. Our fourth one is Carlos Correa. And he is projected to go to the Dodgers. Other teams, Twins, Cubs, Yankees, Braves, Orioles, Phillies, Angels, Giants, Mariners, Red Sox, Tigers. Carlos Correa is uh, an elite shortstop. He's young. And I just, Dodger fans will hate this because of his association with the 2017 team. If you're going to do that, also sign Justin Verlander. Just like go all in. Just go all in as the villain. I don't actually know if I see them doing this. But I also don't see them starting Gavin Lux at shortstop if they lose Trey Turner. I I, I don't think I, my Correa for me. I I think it's the Cubs or the Orioles. I think the Cubs yeah, because Cubs. they're they're kind of the vibe of where we're going at. Like they could probably 
their pitching came around the second half. They're in a division that, that that's not that strong. They could probably turn this around pretty quickly with a couple of, of shrewd signings that pan out. And I think Correa would fit nicely, um, n- nicely on that team. I also think the Orioles, because he's shown already by signing with the Twins that he's kind of willing to, to zag a little bit, do a little like end up on a team you wouldn't expect him with. He does have the connection to that front office there, so I could see there at least being a familiarity. Um, the, the front office in Baltimore was the front office. Those those were guys who were in Houston when he was drafted and and, and came up. So I think that's where I think he's going to go is the Cubs or the Orioles. I can see the Cubs. I'm pretty sure that's what I picked. Although I think the Twins, like Sneaky, would want him back, and I, I think they might be in on him. Uh, Xander Bogarts is the next one. Uh, the consensus of the crowd was right back to Boston. And it was reported yesterday that they did actually up their offer to him recently, so they're clearly still discussing. Other teams receiving votes, the Dodgers, the Cubs, the Giants, the Phillies, the Twins, the Braves, the Mariners, the Orioles, the Yankees. That would be fun. And the Mets, uh, obviously a lot of the same teams that came up for the Phillies, or excuse me, for Turner and for Correa. Uh, do you think, we haven't gotten to Swanson yet, but do you think of the four shortstops that Bogarts is the most likely to return to his previous team? Oh, that's an interesting question. I do. I think the Red Sox is, I think this is kind of similar to what was going on with the Yankees, where they really burned a lot of goodwill when they traded bets. And now there's the risk of losing Bogarts and maybe losing Devers next year. And I think that there's a lot of pressure. And also, it's just like those guys are still young enough to be good for a while that they're going to be like, no, we actually should just like, we could really solidify our core and also get our fans excited if we re sign Bogarts and also. Get Devers to agree to, to an extension. I think both of those things are going to happen this offseason. I also think Bogarts is such a nice fit in that ballpark. He has that kind of like almost like a tennis backhand swing towards the monster where you just like, let's go with the bat. And it's just like, it's so nice in that ballpark. There's something about it that I really enjoy. So maybe it's my wishful thinking of him wanting wanting him to stay in Boston. Yes, again, I don't actually remember what I voted for, but I think I did say Boston for him. All right, next one is Justin Verlander. The consensus of the voters said back to Houston. Other teams included the Yankees, the Mets, the Rangers, the Braves, the Giants, the Angels, the Blue Jays, the Cardinals, and the Padres. And as I'm looking at that list now, I'm surprised nobody said Dodgers. Because that, that does seem like a fit, you know, like they they may need to, I mean, they definitely need a starting pitcher. They clearly don't have any concerns about the money. I'm a little surprised that no one, myself included, apparently, said the Dodgers. Yeah, that is that is surprising. I, I There's something about, and I, I don't know who I saw maybe speculate this or um, put it out there first. I think I think the Cardinals are kind of interesting here. I, this is based purely on just like gut feel, but they, they could really use a high-end starter. I could see him buying into that like St. Louis thing and being there with Goldschmidt and Arenado. I don't know. There's something about that that, that sort of fits for me. Um. I mean, I see it from a baseball point of view. They don't usually seem like the team that goes in on these kind of contracts. I also, I, I cannot possibly answer this question, but I do wonder if St. Louis is somewhat less appealing to elite pitchers now that Yadi Molina is not there to be the guy you throw it to. You know, we don't know who their catcher is going to be. They'll probably go trade for Sean Murphy or Danny Jansen or somebody. Uh, next one on the list is Dansby Swanson, and the crowd projects him to go back to Atlanta. I disagree with this, and I'll explain why in a minute. Other teams are receiving votes, and there's a lot of them, Cubs, Dodgers, Giants, Mariners, Phillies, Twins, Cardinals, Orioles, Red Sox, Royals. Yes, that would be fun. And Yankees. I disagree with this because I think we kind of saw with Freddie Freeman last year. I think this has happened in the past, too. If they were going to extend him, they would have done it before he got to free agency. Right. Like you had all the time in the world to do it. It didn't happen. 
There's other shortstop options out there. There was actually an article I was reading today in The Athletic that said, um, so Ron Washington, who is like the legendary infield coach who lives in New Orleans in the offseason, they flew Vaughn Grissom out there to live in New Orleans, basically, and just work on playing shortstop. Now, is that a backup plan? Is that just something you say to put pressure on the agent? Sure, fine, there's gamesmanship here. I don't actually think Vaughn Grissom is the shortstop of the future there. Um, but I, I didn't pick Swanson back to the Braves. Trying to remember what I did. I might have said the Twins. I think, oh, uh, yeah, I think I said the Twins. I didn't say the Royals. I can tell you that for sure. I think the Twins are interesting. Obviously, if, if Correa leaves, they will have a they will have a, a spot there um, for, and maybe some 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 payroll to, to use. I think the Giants are also kind of interesting um, just because you talked about lack of star power and a team that's probably looking to spend some money. He's not going to. He's probably not going to command a contract quite as quite as large as the other guys, uh, the other shortstops that we've talked about. So I think those are two really interesting teams: the Giants and the Twins for Swanson. We have gone through seven. There are four more free agents that are fifty MLB.com writers uh, projected to the cities. Carlos Rodon to the Mets. Now, I assume that kind of assumes that they don't get to Grom, although maybe not, but other teams receiving votes, the Rangers, the Cubs, the Giants, the Angels, the Cardinals, Yankees, Red Sox, Dodgers, Mariners, Marlins again, and Orioles. Yeah, I feel like it's pretty clear we're saying the same eight or so teams like over <laughs> and over and over. You know, like there's not a lot of brewers popping up here, right? I don't remember if I actually said the Orioles, but I think I might have. And I like that fit a lot. Like they are not, again, like, Whatever their huge progress was from this last year, I don't think they're World Series contenders this year right away. But if you look at what they need, they need starting pitching like right away. You know, they've got a lot of young talent, mostly on offense. The bullpen was great. I know Grayson Rodriguez is coming, but their rotation just was not very good this past year. You know, they have to go get some rotation upgrades. And, you know, DeGrom isn't a great fit there, I don't think, for the same reasons as I said for the Rangers. Uh, Verlander, kind of the same thing because he's older. I love Carlos Rodon of the Orioles. I think that's such a great fit. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, the Mets here, obviously, this is sort of people hedging like, okay, well, if we don't think he's going to go in the, if you don't think, if we think DeGrom is going to sign with the Rangers, the Mets will probably go spend money on a starting pitcher. Who's the next best guy? He probably won't command quite as big of a contract. Oh, Carlos Rodon. There you go. Uh, I kind of think it's more likely the Mets trade for a pitcher. You know, they definitely are going to need to add someone or at least bring back, you know, maybe uh, Chris Bassett and. Taiwan Walker, especially if DeGrom leaves. But I think I could see the more likely, you know, we talked about, I think this last week, if someone like Corbin Burns becomes available or some other, you know, pitchers who are a couple years from um, free agency. So I think the Orioles, the Orioles are going to sign one of these guys. That's the thing. I think we, so it's almost like you're going to reverse engineer it a little bit and say, okay, which one of these guys are the Orioles going to end up with? And I think Rodon is, to me, Rodon and Correa um, are the guys that make the most sense because they've said so much like, oh, we're, this is the winter. We're going to make big moves, make big moves. They kind of have to. They kind of have to get like a, a, not just a good player, but a, na- a name value guy. And I think that Rodon, both Rodon and Correa would, would satisfy that. We have mostly talked about pitchers and shortstops so far. So we have three names left and there's some new positions. There's some new teams here. Wilson Contreras, the crowd has selected he's going to go to the Cardinals. I disagree with this strongly. Here are other teams receiving votes. The Astros, the Tigers, the Cubs, Red Sox, Guardians, Mets, Yankees, D-backs, Giants, Padres, Rays, and Rockies. I like that. I don't think it's going to happen, but I like it. I think I said the Astros, but again, I don't remember exactly. I don't think he's going to go to the Cardinals, and it has nothing to do with the Cubs-Cardinals rivalry or anything. 
I just don't think he's the Cardinals type of catcher. I think they heavily value defense behind the plate. I think they're going to go get Sean Murphy or someone like that. It's not to say he's not a, a talented catcher. He's got a great arm and he's a very good hitter. I just I don't see that being the type of catcher that the Cardinals would value. Uh, I agree with you. But, and for, for the exact reasons you said, I, I mean, Christian, we're not mentioning Christian Vasquez here, but I feel like Christian Vasquez maybe could be a fit good in one. In uh, in St. Louis, you know, Saris the Athletic just did his list of sort of like under the radar free agents, and uh, Christian Vasquez was was uh, was on his list of kind of players he was he was more high on than the uh, than the industry, and I thought that that could be that could be a fit here. You get excited anytime the Rockies get mentioned, so I. Oh, kind we're, of well, we're going to get back to the Rockies. We don't have to talk about the Rockies yet. We're going to get back to the Rockies in our last name of the list. <laughs> I promise. Of, of course we are. I don't think the Astros because we didn't wasn't there just a story about how James Click. Organized a trade for Contreras and the the owner and Dusty Baker basically nixed it. Well, and there, there was, the, but I don't, the, I don't think those it guys, One of those three guys is now gone, and it's not Crane or Dusty Baker. That's true, but I don't think the reasoning applies anymore. As was detailed, uh, Dusty Baker said he didn't want to trade for a guy he wasn't going to start every day in his contract year push, right? And this would imply he's already signed the contract, so I don't think that's as big of a deal. Uh, I don't remember if I said the Guardians here, but I could have seen it because... They value defense behind the plate, too. Like, that's why they like Austin Hedges, but they have to get some kind of offense. And I could see a scenario where you're still playing Austin Hedges, but Contreras catches part-time, DH is part-time, plays in the left field a little bit. It's, it's not their style. They won't do it, but I could see it. Two more names. Brandon Nimmo, back to the Mets. That is what the crowd voted for. Other teams, the Rockies, the Giants, the Mariners, the Yankees, the Astros, the Padres, Angels, Blue Jays, Cubs, and White Sox, I actually kind of like all of those teams for this. Maybe not the Mariners so much. I you know, put them in left field, I guess. But uh, the other teams, everybody needs a center fielder. There's not really any other good options unless you bet on Kevin Kiermaier to bounce back or you think Cody Bellinger is getting non-tender. I don't think he's going to go to the Rockies. I know that's like the trendy pick because he's from Wyoming or whatever. I think the Mets don't have another backup plan. I don't like Starling Marte in center field. I'm, I'm with you on this one. I think he's going back. I'm not Sure. I think the Mets need power and running it back with this exact same lineup is going to exacerbate that issue. And so unless they're confident that Francisco Alvarez is going to come in and play a lot and be like, add that power threat in the middle of the lineup, which is a lot to ask of like a 21 year old catcher. Um, catcher. I'm air quotes in here. Cause like his the yeah. defensive reports have not been great. So, I mean, I don't know what the other, alter to be clear, I don't know what really the alternatives are, but I think that like I could see them wanting to upgrade on offense and have to spend money somewhere to do that. And if they do that, that probably doesn't involve bringing Nimmo back. So that's my, that's my sort of hunch. And that's the thing is a lot of teams could use a center fielder. So there's a lot of teams, there were going to be a lot of teams interested in Brendan Nimmo. There will be a robust market for him. Our final name. And buckle up, because I am about to name about two-thirds of the league here. Jose Abreu. So remember, we had 50 voters, and the consensus here was the White Sox, but here are the other teams receiving votes. Cubs, Padres, Marlins, Giants, Guardians, Mariners, Rays, Twins, Astros, Brewers, Cardinals, Mets, Orioles, Phillies, Rangers, Red Sox, and Rockies. I should have just named the teams that we didn't project him to. I think that says a little bit about, you know, a 36-year-old righty-righty first baseman. I, I get him going back to the White Sox. Um, they seem to be deeply in love with each other, just like on a personal level. He seems to love it there. They seem to love him. And I think that makes a lot of sense. I was the one who voted for the Rockies here, and I'm going to tell you why. Do they have CJ Crone, who's a righty-righty first baseman? Yes, they do. But I think there's two things that are true here. 
First, when he came from Cuba and signed with the White Sox uh, almost a decade ago, it was wildly reported that the Rockies were very interested and they came in second place. And if that doesn't sound to you like one of the reasons they signed Chris Bryant, it certainly does to me because they loved him and wanted to draft him and tried to trade for him and couldn't. And they finally got their man kind of too late. The other thing is, I think we would all agree that the Rockies are not terribly close to contention, but also they don't seem to view it that way. They, they generally think they're closer than everybody else does which is part of the reason they went out and spent on Chris Bryant. And I don't feel like you do that and then not do anything else, right? They're not going to be able to sign any good free agent pitching. Nobody wants to go there. You could sign an outfielder, I guess, like Nimmo, but I could see them saying, well, we signed Jose Abreu and everybody else will say, well, yeah, but you should have signed him eight years ago. And maybe so, but he's still a good player. That's why I said the Rockies. It makes sense. I mean, to your point before, I think he's exactly the kind of player that 25 teams could sign because like a lot of teams would be excited to bring him in. He's got some name value. He just won MVP two years ago. So you can sort of sell that. And especially now with the DH in the national league, basically every team can play him like any, any like Marlins Royals. None of these teams would, would surprise me. Like it's, there's like anything, almost anything's, anything's on the table for Abreu. I will say this. I will. I think I, I know for myself, maybe you as well eat some crow. Cause I remember when the, when the White Sox agreed to that contract going. extension with Abreu <laughs> yeah. like three years ago, I think we both, because he was like a year from free agency and he was coming off a mediocre year. And we both were like, what's that about? Kind of a joke. And it, like, so a lot of the justification at the time was like, oh, like good vibes. They love him. And you know what? Like they love him. And yeah, too, like he was really good for them. <laughs> so yeah. that, actually, that actually worked out pretty well for them. I remember that. Um, my my objection was not that they brought him back. My objection was that they gave him like three guaranteed years when it seemed like it could have done it for one and then seen what happened. Uh, but you're right. He's been very, very good for them. And I, and I do agree. He's probably going to return there. You know, they, the fit just seems so perfect. Um, but it'd be fun to see him somewhere else. Like, I don't know, the Colorado Rockies, maybe. <laughs> That'll do it for this week's podcast. Don't miss an episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions, please leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast. See you next week.